Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now this morning, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue with our series I started last week called Upside Down Kingdom. How many of you enjoyed it? Come on, it's something new. I want to encourage you to read through the book of Luke in the next month. Because we're going to look at this, um, the book of Luke for the, the month of November and December. And, um, and you can actually go on to, uh, you can actually do a series for a year on the book of Luke. It's just actually incredible. We're going to look at the stories, um, uh, we're going to look at stories from the gospel of Luke. And I want to dive into the stories of Jesus, his parables. And <clears throat> the sermons will not flow into each other from chapter 1 to chapter how many? It's actually the longest gospel in the Bible. It will not. But I will focus on stories of the life of Jesus, of parables. I want to go around. But today's sermon will actually flow from last week's sermon. And, and you don't have to, have to have listened to last week's sermon to actually explain or to understand today's sermon. Don't worry. I'm just going to start where I ended off. Is that right? Now, last week I spoke about two amazing people called Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents of, of uh, um, the Apostle John. Well, he was not actually an apostle. He was the prophet. or uh, He was preparing the way for Jesus or for the Savior. And the theme of the sermon was, have you given up on the stuff or the, the promises or the plans that God has for you? And you see, so many of us started giving up on things and promises that we feel that, Lord, man, God, you've called me for this. Now, so many of us have given up on that dream or maybe that thing in your life. But God has never given up on us. Did you know that? He never gives up on us. He never gives up on your dream, the, the, the dream He has for you, the promise He has for you. And as you, as you sit into, um, like Vimpy mentioned this morning, sat in our sermons that, are, that we call potential, where God has called potential out of you, you just, need to, you just need to realize it. But if you feel at your lowest of your low, at the most challenging moments of your life, God always comes through. He always does. Why? And he comes and he turns things upside down. Like I said this morning, you look at the impossible and God comes and, and he makes it possible. And you wonder, it's like, wow, Lord, how did that happen? I've got so many testimonies that I can tell you that how God came and he literally took the impossibility and he turned it upside down and I looked at a possibility and I thought, how did this happen? Have it ever happened to you? Now, when Adam and Eve lost their kingdom authority, now we all know the story. I'm not going to go back to Genesis, but when they lost their kingdom authority, they set in motion a pattern on earth. A pattern that people lived for generations until Jesus came. And this pattern was formed around obedience and formed around the law, formed around religion. And, and when Jesus returned, something amazing happened. He turned the law on its head, and a kingdom came, an upside-down kingdom. You see, for generations, people were waiting for the Messiah, and they thought, this is how he will come. This is what's going to happen. He's going to come. He's going to take over. Even when the angel prophesied to Mary, and I'm not going to look into that, they said, and, and the king will come, and he will take the throne of David. So for generations, they prophesied, and they knew the prophecy will, a king will come, and he will sit on the throne and he will take over and release us from the oppression of the Romans and the Greeks and whatever. They thought a general will come. And Jesus came absolutely different. He came and he gave his life. You see, Jesus came with grace that empowered the down and out. The poorest of the poor. 
a grace that changes the world forever. And that's why we, can st we, we can't stay stuck in religion and the law anymore in our lives. Why? Because it's a slippery slope away from the freedom that Christ has paid for us. See, I don't want to be there. I don't want to. I want to receive everything that Christ paid for me on the cross. And everything starts with His love that compelled Him to do it and the grace He released for us. Now, my sermon topic today, it's not up there. It's unusable. Unusable. <laughs> How many of you have felt unusable in your life? How many have had things in your home that is unusable? Come on. All that hoarders, where are you? You just hoard everything. We, we have stuff that is actually unusable. Now, how many of you maybe grew up in a generation, I don't know if they do it still in school, where we, in, in, the, in the playing ground you, have, you pick two teams. Like you have two guys and everybody starts picking teams. And you were in that team picking situation and you get picked last. <laughs> how many? Thank you, Stephen. Yay, there is some of you. Now, it's not fun. It is not fun to be picked last for a team that you feel, man, I've got so much also worth to make my team win. See, maybe you're someone that was never the most likable or talented in the world's eyes. Or someone that was never given a chance. There's many of them. You were just never given a chance in life. You were never given a chance to show who you are and what you can do. I'm not just talking about sports. Now, there's, there's a, a beautiful story of a boy who went, uh, he lived in a small town and he went and he worked for the general store. You know, some of the small towns in the previous eras, they had this one general store in, in town. And he worked as a clerk, or a, a clerk, yeah, in, in, in the store. And as he was working in, in the first couple of weeks, he saw that, man, we've got all this old stuff in the shop. And there's an overstocking of the old things. And he went to the owner and said, man, can we do a sale? Let's take all this old stock, this overstocked stuff, and let's put a table in the middle of the shop, and let's do a sale, like a 10-cent sale. And the owner thought about it and said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And, and it was a grand success. He sold that table out within a half a day, and the owner was so impressed, and he, he, he said to the boy, okay, maybe you can do a second sale. And he did it again, and in the second sale, it even went better than the first one. And as the sale went on, the boy realized, man, we should start a shop with items that is only 10 cents. Remember, like a five rand store? He said, let's start a shop with items that is only 10 cents. And I'll, I'll run, and he said to the owner, I'll run the shop down the road, and you can get all the stuff that we can claim as 10 cents and just stock the shop, and let's see how it works. And, and, and the owner, was, he said, man, don't be stupid. It will never work. Don't, I mean, stop on dreaming. We've done the sale now. Do what you have to do. And the boy thought, no, well, I've got a plan. And he went on his own. And years later, he became a multimillionaire. His name is F.W. Woolworths. And the original owner of that store later confessed that every word he said to that boy ended up costing him millions of dollars. Not giving him an opportunity. How many stories of this is there in life? of people not being given an opportunity because they see something that God has birthed in them. How many times have I missed, because I've worked with young people all my life, and how many times have I missed young people with great, amazing potential in their life, but I've never gave them a chance. Man, I asked that a lot in my life. And since then, I was like, Lord, help me to give people a chance in life. Help me to see them as usable and not unusable. 
Now millions of people through the ages have been ignored, looked over because of the world has written them off. Or, or, or the world has placed low value on them. Have you ever felt in your life that, man, I don't feel valued in my work. <laughs> don't put your hand up. <laughs> you maybe feel not valued in your work or in your family or wherever you're at and you start looking for a new job. I mean, it's just an ongoing process. But last week we ended with the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I want to I continue with that, but I want to read the story again. It is in Luke 1, verse 26 to, to 38. It said the following, and it, it's, it's a couple of verses, so bear with me. I'm going to read it, and then we'll speak about it. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to, to, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm, <laughs> I'm a virgin. A very legit question. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be, uh, sorry, so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth will become pregnant in her old age. Sorry. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in an old age. People used to say um, she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. I love that part. The word of the Lord will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That's an amazing story, isn't it? Now let's quickly look at Mary, this, just, uh, just Mary for a moment. Because we always read the story, the mother of Jesus, but we never get the context of who Mary really was. Now Mary was a young woman, and, and, and there is some, some background checks that says that she came from a poor background. She was a servant girl, and she was, she was not from a rich family. <clears throat> now like I, let's, like I said last week, if you were a woman in, in biblical times, If you were a woman in biblical times, there was only one purpose for you, is to bear children. I know it's sad. <laughs> it is very bad. Thank God we are not there anymore. But that was the purpose for, for all the women in that times, to bear children. You, you had no authority. You had no honor for your family. You are not, they weren't even allowed in the, sen, in, in the synagogue, in the inner, inner courts. They were there to, to make their home, make the food, and bear children. That's what it is. And it was a tough job because to, to get flour every day was hard work to bake and to do things. It was not as easy to go to checkers, buy flour and make some bread. No, no, no. They had to literally do a lot of hard labor to get there. Now, <clears throat> for a woman to be married, for, for a woman to have children, to bear children, she first had to be married. That's right. Now, when you came from a wealthy family, easy. 
But if you didn't come from a, from a wealthy family, it was not that easy. Now, so Mary comes. Here we get Mary. She meets Joseph, and they get in, they engaged. And, and Joseph was not just any man. He was a descendant of King David. I mean, that's quite, a, 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 that's quite something. That's quite a pip on your shoulder. If you are a descendant of a king. You see, he wasn't just a descendant of King David. He was also a descendant of King Solomon. And we can go on. You see, Joseph was a man of, of stature. And here Mary meets this incredible guy. And I think she went, finally, yay, I'm redeemed. Yay, I'm going from poor to rich. I'm going from no status to status. It's almost like getting a promotion at work. Come on, you, you get in, you this, you're doing your Zuma years, you work, 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 and then suddenly, whoop, they give you a promotion, and the next year they give you a promotion, and you're head of the department. You feel like, man, I'm sitting with the big boys at the table. I'm going and have lunch with the CEO. You know, it's amazing. Yay. <coughs> Kieran will know. <coughs> and, um, and this is exactly where Mary was. Suddenly God came and redeemed something in her life. And she went from nothing to, oh wow, I'm getting married to a man with stature. I'm going to bear children. I'm not going to be poor and struggling anymore. And then suddenly an angel appeared and messed it all up. <laughs> see, God came and he turned the apple card over. Let's be honest. You see, if we look at the worldly perspective and the mindset, we can say that everything Mary was and represented made her unusable for a major task from God. She was poor. She was a woman. She was not married. Just think about it. She was unusable for God, like many women was. And I'm talking from a worldly perspective. But God came and he turned it upside down by choosing Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience. Think about it. This was not just, okay. No, no, this was an act of obedience. An act of obedience to such a degree. I mean, God has never asked anyone for such an act of obedience. See, and what did Mary do? She acted in faith instead of fear. She acted in faith. Now, we, <laughs> you need to understand this. See, if you've ever thought about the risk Mary had to face telling Joseph, uh, <clears throat> by the way, <laughs> I am pregnant. I, I mean, just think about that scene. Who did you sleep with? What did you do? How can you be pregnant? We're not married yet. I, I, I don't want anything to do with you. That's a major risk. She was about to go from nothing to, yay, I'm redeemed. Now suddenly, she needs to tell the husband, I am pregnant. You see, what would the family say? What would her family say? What would his family say? What would the community say? Last week we, we spoke about Elizabeth. How much reproach and resentment she had to go through as a mother just because she was barren and couldn't bear a child. Now look at Mary. This was a different ballgame. Elizabeth was at least married. She had a husband. She was just barren. Mary was not married. She was engaged to this amazing guy, and now suddenly she's pregnant without being married. I mean, that's a different, different ballgame. The religious community will stone you, literally. And see, and, and what we need to realize is how strong Mary's faith was in this moment. How strong. Listen to what she says. I am the Lord's servant. 
May everything you have said about me, Gabriel, will come to pass. You see, she says she sat there and she knew everything is at risk. But Lord, I'm gonna have my faith in you. See, that's the that's the intenseness of this moment that Mary faced. Isn't that incredible? See, Mary wasn't just a poor young woman who knew nothing. With a response like this, we can actually say, see that Mary revered God. She truly revered Him. She loved God. She had a genuine hunger for more of God, and because of that, she pursued Him daily. I believe it. The, the Scriptures doesn't say this, but I truly believe this. You see, she definitely studied and knew the Scriptures. And it's funny because women was not allowed into the inner courts, and in the inner courts, it was the only place where they read the Scriptures. I mean, so how? Somewhere along the line, she started studying the Scriptures. See, only boys from the age of 14 or 13 were allowed into the synagogues where they could, where they could be taught the Scriptures, all the prayers, all the things of the law of Moses. But the woman wasn't. They were allowed at home to keep the home to bear children. But when, Mary, uh, but when we look at Mary's response, when the angel appeared to her, we can see that she had a strong devotional life. Look at the scripture. Luke 1 verse 46. Now when the angel said, she went to Elizabeth and then she had a song of joy after the angel appeared to him. Listen to what she says. And Mary sang the song, my soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. Sounds like someone with a prayer life. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. Sounds like someone who knows that God gives life. Then he says, For he has set tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. Next verse. And from here on, everyone who will know that I have been, found, I've been favored and blessed. This is someone who knows that people will ridicule her for getting pregnant without being married. Yet she says, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. Talk about a positive confession. <laughs> says, the mighty one has worked his mighty miracle for me. Holy is his name. Now we can see here by her song of thanksgiving that God literally, he literally took her from unusable to useful for him. Wasn't that beautiful? From unusable to useful for him. Listen to verse 53. If you go on. He says, For those who hunger for him will always be filled. But the smug or self-satisfied, other translation says, but the rich will be sent away empty. And it's an incredible verse. You see, Mary was hungry for God. She was hungry for God. Only hungry people will be filled. If you're hungry, you will be filled. I promise you, you will find a way. But people who's not hungry will not be, they will not eat, they will not find food. And being a Christian doesn't mean we will be force fed until you're filled up. God didn't come say, ooh, you look hungry, let me come and, no, no, you come hungry. We come hungry as Christians. We come to church because we're hungry. We get into relationships because we're hungry. We get into men's and women's groups and whatever places to get fellowship with people because we are hungry for more of Him. As Christians, we don't have to be force-fed. We come hungry. You see, Mary had a love and a hunger for God 
Why? Because she actually quoted Psalm 107. Verse 53, it says, those who hunger for him will always be filled. That whole scripture is, is quoted Psalm 107, verse 6. She knew the scriptures. She knew the scriptures. And this is a powerful verse. Why? Because it shows the focus that Jesus came to earth with. This script, this verse, one focus. He says he didn't come for the flesh, but he came for spirit. You see, if you are rich in that time, would you ever go hungry? Absolutely not. But he says the hungry for him will always be filled, but the rich will go empty. So he's not talking about food or physical stuff. He's talking, or she, or the, the, the writer is talking about the spiritual aspect of us. If we look for God, if we hunger for him, we will be filled. But if our focus is on different things, you will not find him. See, the rich were those who, who focus on what they can attain here on earth. Placing more importance on my life here than in my life in him. Now, I'm, listen, I'm not saying that, that it's wrong to be rich or wrong to live a good life. I believe it is a God-ordained thing for us not to struggle. Come on, we're not going to be poor in heaven. Why being poor here? God has called us to live an abundant life. If, if you go to John 10, 10, it says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and all those things. But he says, and then God gives life in abundance. We serve a God of abundance. So he's not talking about physical stuff. He's talking about your focus in life. He's talking, it's your focus is on the things you can attain rather than him we can attain. That was the difference. See, Mary had a treasure that no earthly possession could give her. A treasure. A treasure that, she, that, that what, sorry, sorry, sorry. She treasured what God was busy doing in her life. Because God was doing something. You see, Mary had a treasure that no earthly possession could give. And, and, and this wasn't easy. See, Mary didn't have an easy life. She had to face, face many painful stuff in her life. See, her peers would ridicule her because of she being pregnant without married. Her fiancé would be close to leaving her, and her son would be rejected and murdered. How many mothers will go through stuff like that? How many mothers? But through her son, listen to this, through her son, Jesus, through her son would come the world's only hope because of her obedience. Man, that shook me. Because of her obedience as a woman, <clears throat> taking that risk and said, Father, I, I trust you. Because of that, Jesus came and he gave hope to the whole world. That little bit of pain that I have to struggle with will save the world forever. No, Mary is not the Savior. You can surely see that she said, Jesus is. I'm not talking Catholic here. I'm saying Jesus is the Savior. But because of the obedience of a mother, <laughs> the world had hope. You see, every time something significant happened with Mary, she did the following. And I, I love this. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Look at these two verses. Luke 2 verse 19. Now, before this verse, it, let me read it. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This was right after the, the, the shepherds came running from the field. The, the angels disappeared to them. And, and they had this incredible angel show in the fields. And they actually say this was the temple shepherds. They, they cared for the flock of the synagogue for the for offerings. 
So they knew all the stuff of Jesus, the Messiah. Angels came. What did they do? Man, we need to go and see. So they ran and looked for Jesus in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, um, in the crib. <clears throat> and they came and they told G- uh, Mary and Joseph everything they saw. And when they left, verse 19, and then Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. She pondered. Look at the next scripture. Luke 2 verse 51, right after Jesus was left in Jerusalem at the, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles. And they were two days away and they realized, ooh, where's our son? And they went back and he was sitting at the temple. And then, and, and then they said, why, why did you do this to us? Why? And he said, well, didn't you know I was in my father's house? And then, verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. Isn't that amazing? He was obedient to them, but his mother treasured these things in our heart man i had i was looking at the two scriptures for weeks and weeks i was like lord why did she do this why did the bible mention this (laughs) isn't that amazing you see it's amazing when we value and treasure god more than the things that god can do for us see she treasured god more than the things he could do for her She's married to, a, to the descendant of a king. She said, no, no, but God can do so much more. And she treasured the stuff in her heart of the son, that she's the mother of the Messiah. She treasured it so much in her heart because God made her useful when she was unuseful. See, the thing that will take us from being unuseful, unusable to useful to God is our focus on Him and nothing else. Can we go through tough things in your life? When you go through stuff, when you have to make big decisions, when you go through this, that, that, where is your focus? Because our emotions and stuff we go through can steer, steer our focus away from the true essence of what, why we were created. And because Mary knew what God could do with unusable items or people or things and make them useful for His purpose, she did the following. And I want to end with this this morning. It's not going to be a long sermon. Let's read the scripture. If you go to John, and I know it's not in Luke, <laughs> but I want, to, I want to read this story because there's not a lot of stories about Jesus and, and his, his mother. But let's read this together. It says, Now on the third day, Jesus' mother went to a wedding feast in Galilean village of Cana. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests, they ran out of wine. Now think about Stellenbosch. If you're in Stellenbosch and you come to a wedding and there's no wine, oh my goodness, the worst wedding ever. Now Canaan, Canaan was also a wine-rich country. Now let's look at the next verse. <clears throat> I say, and when Mary realized it, she came to Jesus and asked. It's amazing, just a mom can do this. Eh? She says, they have no wine, can't you do something about it? And Jesus replied, my dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, I will change nothing for you, but it will change everything for me. For my hour of unveiling, and my power has not yet come. And then Mary went to the service and told him, do whatever Jesus tells us to do. He says, no, I can't do that because you don't know what's going to happen. And Mary says, okay, do whatever he says. That's, I mean, have your mother been like that? My mom has been like that. I love her to bits. But she was like, if she wants me to do something, I'll do it. <laughs> There's no questions. No questions asked. He says, whatever Jesus tells you, do it. And nearby stood six stone water pots meant to be used for Jewish washing rituals. Go on. Each one could hold about 20 gallons or more. 
And Jesus came to the service and instructed them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. And then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremony. And when they poured out the pitchers to the master of ceremonies to sample, the water had become wine. Now Mary, come on, Jesus and the disciples went to a wedding. And the most important thing ran out, the wine. Because the wine was, not in that days, it was, it was a, the wine in that days was a, a token of, of um, how good the wedding is. How good the celebrations is. Is it good wine? Everybody speaks about, man, that was incredible. Nowadays, the dress and the flowers and the, all the hoo-ha is all that. But that time, that, and in that days, the wine was the most important thing. Now Mary, who knew that G- what Jesus could do. Listen, man, this is a woman who went from unusable to useful for God's purposes. She knew that she serves a God that can do so much. And she went to Jesus because she knew, my son can do something. And he hasn't come out. He hasn't done any miracle. Well, we don't know what the Scriptures doesn't say what he did till he was 30. But Jesus was reluctant to help. But Mary, as a mother, do insisted. She said, you will, just like any mother should do. But then what strikes me of this, this, this verse is the following. Go back one, one Scripture for me. One more. Six stone water pots meant to be used for Jewish rituals. See, <coughs> sorry, let me just find my place again. But what strikes me at this is it, there were six water pots meant to be used for Jewish washing rituals. Now, the water pots was used for washing rituals when people came to the synagogues and washed their hands and their faces and I don't know whatever else they washed. But, but I mean, it was not a clean pot. <laughs> They, they, they replaced the water every, every day when the synagogue, but the pot was a pot for washing rituals. So a pot that was literally, how many of you want to drink from a pot that people wash their filthy hands and their faces with every day? How many of us want to drink from that? This, I mean, it's impossible. That sounds like a pot that is unusable. It's an unusable pot. It's the only one uses to, to clean the filth off of people. And how many of us in our lives have felt like that? Where the life and, and, and everybody around you, maybe your neighbors, your family, the, the workplace, your boss, whoever in your life has used you as a washing ritual and to clean all the nonsense, you're just a slave, slave queen. Come on. All of us has been there. Now in a worldly perspective, those pots were used to, to fold, be filled with dirt and filth. I mean... Before people go to worship, it was unusable for drinking purposes. But Mary knew Jesus came to earth to turn the kingdom upside down and make the unusable useful. So many of us go through times in our lives where we feel totally unuseful to God. How many of you have ever went through times in your life where you feel, Lord, I don't think you can use me? I'm just, I'll just be the guy sitting at the back of the church and I'll sing my heart out and I'll, I'll even go to the cell groups and I'll give. And, but don't ask me to do something you know I'm not able to. Come on. I've been there. I remember so much, <clears throat> so, 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 so much in my life when I was at, at university and I was in a, I was in a cell group. Um, I joined this amazing church. I felt like home there. It's just amazing. I walked in my room. Man, Lord, this is my home. 
I love the people. I'm just here. You know what I'm talking about. And, and I was in this group, and this amazing friends, of, it became lifelong friends, about 10 students, a mixed, mixed cell group. And uh, we had this incredible cell group leader. He's an amazing guy, became a good friend of mine. And after a year, he came to me one afternoon and said, like, Haney, I want to just break the news. So that I'm, um, I finished my studies. I'm moving. I'm moving to Joburg. I found a job. I was like, oh, man, that's, that's bad. So, it's, what are we going to do now? I said, no, you're going to take over the group. <laughs> I said, no, 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 sorry. And this is my answer. I remember it till today. I remember it's like, you know what? <clears throat> I don't feel spiritual enough to lead this group. I think I need to grow a bit more to lead this group. And he said to me, Ah, oh, don't worry. You'll be fine. I'll, I'm, I, actually, I'm moving next week. This will be our last one. I'll, I'll announce you as the new leader, and then I'm, I'm on. I'm off. And I mean, for two days, I, I called him. I texted him. Please, I can't take over this. I'm not. I've, I'm t I've got too much issues in my life still. I need to. He said, "Don't worry, Henny. You'll be fine." And he just, he just made nothing of my, my. My moaning of, please don't. <laughs> I even went to speak to the pastor and he said, no, no, just listen to your cell group leader. It's like, can nobody listen to me? After the third group of leading, I realized, oh, wow. Lord, you have called me for something different in my life. And how much, if I would have stayed at the unusable place in my life, I would have never seen that God saw me as useful for his purpose. You see, for us, we might feel unusable, but God created us with a DNA to be victorious, to be successful, no matter what we go through or work through in life, even the places where we feel totally overwhelmed in our life. God has a plan for you, for me, for us, for people around you. What is your sphere of influence? You don't have to go and plant a church or put your Bible on your head and go and stand on a street corner and shout, Jesus, love you. You don't have to do that. By loving people, by showing God's character, by shining the light in your workplace on a daily basis is what God has called you to do. He has made you useful in every way, in every perspective. Have I told you that story of my friend? I had a, a young guy at the university that he was in my groups and he went through as a brilliant golfer, cricketer, and he was in my sport groups. And he studied chartered accounting, and, and he went to PricewaterhouseCoopers in, in, um, in Pretoria, big offices, and there was this young guy, this pencil pusher in his cubicle there, you know, you know that. And he was there, and the first day he went, walked into it, it was very overwhelming. There was a lot of people. So, I mean, this is, that's a big, big company. And he walked in and he sat in his cubicle and started working, meeting, and he came back. And at lunch, God started speaking to him and said, hey, why don't you start a small group or a prayer time between lunch hours? You're sitting here. You might as well do something. He said, Lord, I am new here. I am a young guy. I'm literally at the bottom of the food chain here. I can't do that. And God started pressing him and started pressing him. And by day three, he's just like, oh, what the heck? I'm just going to send an email. So he sent an email. It's like, hi, guys. I'm going to start a prayer group. Anybody, um, anybody is welcome um, at the coffee booth or somewhere ever uh, between lunch. And he pressed send to all. And when he pressed send to all, he realized, oops, that includes the CEO, COO, the whatever, <laughs> everyone. And he thought, oh, my head, I am in for it. What now? And, I mean, he sweated bullets through the night. He came to work sweat. I mean, he was so anxious. And it became closer to lunch. And he thought, man, I'm going to go to lunch. And nobody, 
an hour before lunch, he got an email from the CEO. The CEO of Priceline. <laughs> he said, hey man, can you come and see me quickly? And he thought, oh, man, I've been here three days, four days. Maybe this will be the record of uh, somebody <laughs> letting me go. Have I told the story before? The CEO, I had it there. And the CEO came and said, listen, I just want to applaud your, your um, obedience. Man, nobody has ever asked that and had the, 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 just the, um, the boldness to send an email to everyone to come to the premier. I just want to tell you that I'll be there. He pitched up at the first prayer meeting with 55 people, CEO included, and they prayed. And that prayer group became 10, 10 to 15 prayer groups in different offices because there was just too many people. And it started a chain reaction. Why? Because he saw himself useful instead of unuseful in a place where the worldly mindset make you unuseful. You're just a young guy. Sit there and shut up. You see, religion fails us because it has run out of wine. It has run out of wine. It has run out of the spirit because it focuses on the flesh. You see, tradition and religion cannot bring joy. But Jesus can. Jesus can bring joy. Not religion or law. See, we need to realize that the significance in comparison between the law and grace. And can I end with this quickly this morning? If we look at two people, we look at Moses and we look at Jesus. Moses represented the law. He was a man of God, but he represented the law. And in the law, he turned water into blood. Something unusable. How many of you want to drink blood water? Come on. He turned something useful into something unusable. Now, I know the context in the story, but look at Jesus. Jesus represents grace. And his grace, by his grace, he turned water into wine. Spiritful. Spiritful. You see, we cannot sit in a place where law have an impact on our lives, but grace has. I'm not a hyper-grace kind of guy. I just believe in the power of grace. And that when God shows you grace, that means that you are called to do useful things in His kingdom. You are called to do great things where people think, ah, oh, you'll never do great things. But that's your DNA. You see, God has always, 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 every day of your life, He dreams, big dreams about you, of what He wants you to accomplish. What He wants you to step into from a place of unusable to useful in His purpose. You see, but we need to step out of that place. It's like, oh Lord, I'll just be the unuseful guy at the back. No, no, God called you to be useful. Just be intentional in finding that spot. Where do we find our usefulness in the kingdom? In community. In church. In friends and family who can love you, cry with you, laugh with you, correct you, and love you. But it's only in community where God can bring you to a place of usefulness. I would never be in ministry today if it wasn't for that friend of mine who grabbed me by the shoulder and said, Hey man, are you in a small group? I said, no, no, I'm just checking things out. I oh, don't worry, just give me your number. And he started calling me, SMS me, and I was in his cell group. And because I was there, I started slotting in because I found community. I went from unusable to useful in his purpose because someone loved me enough. And sometimes the world says, oh, I'll be fine, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm spiritful enough on my own. But we can only step into a place of being useful 
in a place where people love us, where we can find community. Amen. Can we pray together? I want to ask you to stand. Father, we thank you this morning. Sure. Lord, we, we praise your name for your goodness in our lives. Lord, we, we never want to be over-religious and miss your heart. But we want to tap from the relationship that, that you have given us, Father. We want to tap from that relationship. We want to drink the new wine of the Spirit. We want to drink more of your Spirit every day in our lives, Father. Because it's in that place where we will find that we are useful for you. <laughs> Wherever we find ourselves, it might, might be the most darkest place. But the more darker it is, the more brighter a little light can shine. Father, I pray this morning that you will lose something in our hearts. That we will not feel unusable for you, Lord. No matter how much the, the world and stuff and situations has beaten us up. Lord, that you have called us to bring hope, to love. Lord, and I pray that, that we will find our everything in you, our purpose in you, not in stuff around us, what we can accumulate, or, but in you, Father. So if you're here this morning, and, and if your eyes are closed, I just want a moment with God. If you ever felt in your life or in a situation, or maybe when you grew up, and hopefully the Holy Spirit reminds you this morning that you felt unusable for Him, or maybe unusable in any situation, I just want you to put your hand on your heart, because I feel that the Holy Spirit want to heal that this morning in your heart, that you are useful for Him. You are useful. He has called you for incredible things. He has called you to touch lives. He has called you to bring His kingdom. He has called you to encounter Him. He has called you to release His grace in people's lives where they feel they need to be punished. And you will come in and you will release grace over them. Just with a hug, with love, with acceptance. Father, I pray that you heal our hearts this morning. That you heal our hearts that we will see that you have come, Father, to make unusable things useful. You have come to move us from religion to relationship. You have come to move us from law to grace. Father, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, will you come and touch our hearts this morning? Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.